Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. My name is Jeff Burkus. I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. Today we're talking about edge players, and we're going to need some beverage to get through all the edge players that EJ has been working on grinded tape on. So what are you drinking tonight, EJ? Uh, this one I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I get to give credit to my wife for this. She's been wanting to shout out on the podcast. She well deserves one. And she was at the store. She didn't know we were doing edge players. And she came home with a beer from the no Lee. I believe it's no Lee. It's N O dash L I brew house from over in Spokane. For those of you playing at home, that's the Eastern side of Washington state over by Wazoo. And it is their wrecking ball Imperial stout. And it's oh. perfectly appropriate for it. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I picked probably my favorite beer of all time and I'm not exaggerating. Um, this is from founders. It is the Kentucky breakfast stout. So, <laughs> What this is is a uh, uh, it's a it's a breakfast stout. So they call it an ale brewed with chocolate and coffee, aged in oak bourbon barrels. So that's the Kentucky part of it. Founders does yeah, Founders does a just a breakfast stout. So it's an oatmeal and coffee and chocolate stout. So I think the breakfast part of it is oatmeal coffee. Uh, and this uh, Founders KBS, it's one of those that's pretty tough to find. It's it's a seasonal beer. Uh, it's not cheap. It's cost, going to cost you close to 20 bucks for a four-pack. It is the only beer that I think that I can access with some regularity and actually find it in a store when it comes out that has a 100 out of 100 rating on rate beer. Uh, everywhere that you look, it's going to have a really high rating. And so in honor of Khalil Mack, I brought out the best beer that I've ever had because uh, this is the best edge defender that I've ever seen. So um, let's open up. Does that thing come with a spoon? (laughs) It is thick. And I will say that it's got 12.2%. You know, last time we talked about the sticky stout, anything, these oak barrel aged stouts that are above 10%. And so this would definitely qualify as a sticky stout. This is actually the 2018 uh, year. So I've got a couple left from, yeah, so it'll last a a couple years uh, in aging and mellows out just a little bit in the bottle uh, but it just, just came out the 2019 just came out on friday last friday so um it's time for me to go find uh some new ones and clear out this yeah, this as well so. supply well i think this may be the first time well maybe not the first time uh one of the few times in bears over beers where you're drinking something with a higher alcohol content than on mine because i'm i'm tickling 10 percent because it's an imperial uh so it's nine five by volume um, it's really smooth considering um, that it's got that much alcohol in it. It's uh, definitely a stout, uh, but it's cleaner, I think, than a lot of stouts. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bitter or bitey, uh, but it doesn't have that really heavy. Uh, last time you were talking about like a chocolate shake stout, and I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> Like, how does that feel when you actually drink it? This is a beer you could drink, you know, a couple of. Now, the alcohol might get on top of you a little bit. But in terms of how it goes down and, and you know, the aftertaste and everything else, it's a very clean drinking beer for, for a stout that's got that much alcohol in it. Well, I'll tell you, Founders and Bells, and there's a few other breweries in Michigan that do, do really good stouts. And it's probably the best thing that they have going in that state. Certainly not professional football. Um <laughs> But uh, I really like this one. You can definitely taste, uh, you know, that that influence of the barrel. So if you're someone who doesn't like that whiskey taste at all, um, this isn't the beer for you. But, uh, you know, being a, a whiskey drinker, this is something that, I, you know, I can handle. And I certainly just think that this they just put it all together and it's just fantastic. So um, but this perfect bridge, obviously, into talking about Khalil Mack. Since we're talking about edge today, we'll go through all of the current Bears edge players. Mac came over last year in the big trade. Obviously, that's been well documented. We'll find out, you know, in a few years what how the the dust all settles from the different draft picks that the Bears gave up for that, and you know who those players turned into for the for the for the Raiders. But for now, I just I just wanted to talk about Mac and just 
basically give an appreciation for just how good this guy is. And, you know, he's already, he's, he's been in the league for five years. Um, he's already has three first team all pro, uh, awards. He's already been awarded the defensive player of the year. This guy is on a hall of fame trajectory with his career. And I, I think that as a bears fan, having the most hall of fame players, uh, of all of the NFL teams, it, you know, there is a little bit of in additional interest into guys that are going to play their career for Chicago that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. But this guy, it just we need to re recognize what we're seeing here is that this guy really is very special. And he, you know, he looked special in the draft. And I'm not a guy that follows the draft nearly as closely as you and a lot of our listeners. But even even I was wanting this guy coming out of Buffalo knew that we weren't going to get a sniff at him because he was too high up in the draft um, uh, uh, projections. But unbelievable that we get this opportunity to get this this uh, anchor at, at edge player that's just going to be the, the star of our defense for at least the next four years and hopefully for the rest of his career. But, you know, what do you think Mac brings to this defense and how does he just transform this this squad from a good to an elite squad? I think the short answer is everything yeah uh, he's you know he's not some guys are transcendently good at one thing and that's not Khalil Mack he's very stout against the run he's a heady player he's smart he understands uh, he definitely studies obviously one of the best if not the best pass rusher in the league certainly in the top handful three-ish guys um and what you saw was the Bears defense was good last year, but where they really lacked was a consistent pass rush. There were so many times, and, and this is year before Khalil Mack got here, so not, not last season. Right, right. Last. And where Bears fans would get frustrated is watching quarterbacks stand back there, especially guys like Aaron Rodgers, you know, picking the Bears apart four and five seconds into the play with no real threat. And, you know, the a lot of the cast remained the same. You know, got the same corners, had roughly the same safeties. Obviously, you know, Eddie Jackson got better. Um, but in terms of what was up front, Akeem Hicks was there. You know, he's playing very well, but he couldn't do it by himself. Floyd was there, but again, wasn't wasn't sort of bringing quite enough pressure. And that was the place where the defense really broke down. You can't cover forever. Well, you know, quick quick check what were you doing when you heard that the bears got khalil mack i was on twitter freaking out for a solid three hours i think you look at my timeline on twitter it looks like i was having a meltdown like like a good meltdown but it's just like all of the good things i wasn't really forming full sentences um yeah absolutely i was locked in i was i was freaking out text messages i'm getting blown up by all my friends that are Bears fans, my mom, who's you know the original Bears fan for me, she's she's texting me. She bought a Mac jersey within like a week. She had a Mac jersey on order. I mean, she was all in. Um, I was getting texts from uh, friends that I have that cheer for the Packers, cheer for the Vikings, and they they were losing their minds. So yeah, it was just. I think my phone battery uh, went from you know eighty percent charge down to you know, critical levels within 45 minutes because it just people were just blowing up my phone. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'll, me I'll remember that day for a long time. Yeah, I remember waking up. I woke up to the news uh, because there'd been a bit of buzz and, you know, just so much smoke around that and, and not believing that it was possible because he he is the player he is and he has been the player he's been. And it's just like in the back of your mind, you're saying no one would be that stupid. No one yes. would give him up. Like, there's no possible way you give up one of the most valuable positions in their prime. You know, you just don't do it. And, you know, so I went to bed going, it's not going to happen. It's it's not reality. Don't get your hopes up. You know, don't even think about this because, yeah, it's a great dream. But, and I woke up and I checked my phone and, you know, it says, you know, Bears traded to, Bears traded for Khalil Mack. And I literally, first thing I did, sat bolt upright in bed, swore out loud. So loud <laughs> my wife, who was upstairs making breakfast in the kitchen, was like, what? You know, she thought I you know, kicked the couch or something getting up. And I was like, 
the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, followed by a little bit of silence, you know, and like that's what you swore bolt upright in bed for, and it's like, yeah, you don't understand. This is this is a change. We're going from something to something completely different. It's a franchise altering move. That's right. That- and you saw it as soon as he hit the field. Like even in the first game when he hadn't been playing, been holding out, whatever, he comes in and all of a sudden all those plays where there was that lagging pass rush are now shorter, more compressed. He's occupying extra blockers. He's blowing people up despite getting double and triple teamed. And, you know, it just changed the tenor. The corners don't have to cover as long. Um, The linebackers are much more free on their side to, you know, run the short pass routes. They don't all have to collapse the line because he's a very capable run defender as well. So what does he bring? He brings everything. He gels the defense in a way. And even when he was out, you know, he was uh, he missed some time with conditioning and injury early in early in the year. And the pass rush lagged again. Right. Right. comes back in and it's right back up to 100%. They're full throttle and they're going after people and winning games. So he really does bring everything. He's just a very complete player, like you said, on a trajectory for really kind of a Hall of Fame track. And those guys are impossible to find. So I don't care how many draft picks we give up because the whole point of having draft picks is to find guys like Khalil Mack. Right. And draft picks are a crapshoot and Khalil Mack isn't. Yeah, and, and one thing that I noticed, just how unselfish of a player he is. You know, at this position, it can be a little bit of a trying to pad your stats, you know, just focusing, going all out when you can uh, rush the quarterback, you know, maybe saving a little bit for third down. You know, he's running 60-yard sprints trying to catch receivers from behind that Miami game, right? I mean, that, that I think that was the Miami game. You know, he's he's selling out in, in the stunts, which, you know, are designed for him to be basically be a decoy and to take up offensive linemen so that, you know, a guy like Akeem Hicks can come free. I, I mean, the guy seems like an absolute team player on the field and off the p- field. Everything we've heard from him has just been stellar. He's quick to give a compliment to his teammates. Uh, you know, he's definitely bought into that, that Weeman mentality it just seems like a perfect fit for what Matt Nagy's vision is for this for this team and this this culture and I, it just it's I, you can't overstate enough just how great of addition this was and how bold and amazing this move is and it's already paid off I completely agree I again woke up thinking that I was in a dreamland and stayed that way for you know every time I saw a reference of it through the season every time I saw the guy play um, you know, all the results, some of the crazy plays, like you said, where he didn't make the play, but he put in this massive effort, you know, trying to go through two, three blockers, sometimes still making the play. It's not a guy, he doesn't seem diva-ish at all. He seems the complete opposite of that. And he just seems primed up and ready to go. Obviously loves football, wants to play. And it just means everything to have a guy like that. You know, and, I, and I'll say this, the last, the last thing I'll say about Mac, and we'll move on, but it just seems so natural for him to be wearing navy and orange. Like, it, it just looked right, and immediately I was like, yeah, this is right. This is the right thing. This guy definitely should be here, and he's perfect for Chicago, and he it, he hasn't been here for longer than a year. Like, he, you know, the guy is just totally just seems like he's a total fit for this, for this franchise. So um, awesome, you know. It, just makes watching Chicago Bears football really fun, um, but let's let's move on to the other side uh, of of Mac and and talk about Leonard Floyd. So Floyd Floyd will be coming into his fourth year this year, uh, drafted you know high in the first round, traded ahead of the Giants um, to be able to get him. I think when he was drafted, uh, there were hopes that he would have an elite bend around the corner, and you can uh, that's a scouting term. I think that you you can talk about a little more, but maybe. The vision was for him to be the next Von Miller. Um, I think that's, that's that was kind of the the comp that I was hearing at the time with with what he could do around the edge. I think the the big question this year is will, will the Bears pick up that fifth year option? Um, you know, in my opinion, he's he's been a pretty good player. He's had had some some injury issues uh, that has maybe affected his play a little bit. I thought he played pretty pretty well down the stretch last year. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what the bears think uh, he, how he fits into their future plans. And I'm kind of curious to see what you think in terms of what you think uh, Floyd's trajectory is. And if he'll be extended uh, into that second big contract. 
Yeah, I'll take those in two separate bits. The first one is what his trajectory is. I think we know. I think we are pretty well aware of what Leonard Floyd is and is not at this point. And I think he's a lot more than a lot of fans think he is, and that largely comes from the fact that he doesn't just rack up sack numbers. And that's that has been, at least up until now, purposeful in Vic Fangio's defense. Uh, Vic did a lot of things. Uh, with Floyd, he counted on him to to be a very capable pass coverage guy, to cover in space, come off the edge, come through stunts, um, to shadow backs out of the backfield. Even you'd see him do that. So he's got a really diverse and versatile skill set. And yeah, he needs to rush the passer, and he doesn't always get home, but he does get hurries. He does have length. He does stand up, get his hands up in the passing lane. So his pass rush numbers, which when you're drafted up that high and that's the position you play, everybody's looking for sacks. And he didn't come out and set the world on fire with sacks. He hasn't. I don't think that's the player he is. And if I have to relate it to anything else in football, I'd say he's very much like a really, really, really good number two wide receiver. He's okay. that alpha number one that's going to always get down the field solo and win the you know one-on-one jump ball matchups with their top corner. But he's going to run great routes. He's going to bring diversity. He's going to block. He's going to you know motion. He's going to do all that stuff. And I think that's who he is. Now, do you pay him huge dollars to do that? Uh, I don't think you do when you got a guy like Mac who's a similar age on the other side. Um, you know, if they can get him for a reasonable amount, and even on the higher end of reasonable, if he wants to stay with the Bears, let's say the Bears have another really good season, and and you're, you know, Leonard Floyd, and you're looking at it, you're like, I like the culture, I like the city. Um, Floyd's a little bit more of a quiet guy, um, but, you know, he's got familiarity with coaches, and look, the culture's winning, and that's a great thing as a player, you're not necessarily sure. If somebody throws a ton of free agency money at him, like he's a top sack master, and thinks they can turn him into that, I'm going to have to say, as much as I like keeping homegrown talent, and I really like Leonard Floyd coming out of Georgia, yeah, you know, if somebody loses their mind in free agency, if they don't pick up that fifth-year option, um, I think they probably pick up the fifth-year option because it won't be that bad in terms of price. Um, right. And they'll have the money. But after that, you know, do you sign the guy to a massive deal? And I just don't think we'll, we'll have to see again how he how his role changes in the defense now that we have a different we have Pagano instead of Vic Fangio if if Pagano wants to use him and, and finds a way to get him you know involved that he starts racking up those sack numbers then maybe he's worth that big contract but I, I don't think that's going to happen in year four or you know in this case year five yeah I think that's pretty interesting and honestly pretty fascinating to see what happens because you know, if if the Bears do find sustainable success and Pace continues to draft well, that this is what's going to happen. Is you you are going to see players leave, and if that becomes the you know the modus operandi of of Pace, uh, that there's a lot of really good franchises that have that model. I mean, obviously New England's the the top one, and they let guys go. They they focus on uh, certain positions that they want to keep, but for the most part, they're not going to pay rushers like that they think that they can manufacture so kind of curious to see what will happen there and particularly when you have so much wrapped up in in max contracts so um yeah interesting he's definitely a good guy i mean like the 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 type of player that he is on the field that's you know that's certainly the football part of it but definitely fits in with the culture and you know everything you hear about that is he's you know top of the line with that so um i definitely like him as a player but it'll be very interesting to see what happens from then on. The other two guys on the roster, and I, I want to just bring them up together because I'm kind of curious. This is definitely more in your realm because they didn't see a lot of playing time last year. But Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz, from what I can remember, from what I've seen, Irving was a little bit showed a little bit more flash, and Fitz seemed like he was pretty fast off the ball, but never really got home. But what did you see out of these guys last year when they were playing maybe in the preseason? And what do you think their potential for making a contribution in 2019 is? Yeah, I like the Bears keeping Irving. I I think he's a guy that, you know, he definitely came in with a chip on his shoulder, not a high pedigree guy. Um, you know, practice squad guy, got moved up. And I think when they were playing, you know, similar type of reps in the preseason, Irving is definitely the guy that drew your eye a little bit more. I 
did a post-draft workup on Kylie Fitz. I'd, I'd looked at him a little bit before the draft just because I'd looked at some other Utah players, but I hadn't really focused on him. So when the Bears drafted him, spent the next day, day and a half, looking at his games and, and looking at his, his game particularly. And what I wrote then is still kind of true now. He's got all the skills. Um, his top half's really strong. He uses his hands well. Uh, he's got burst, like you said. He comes off the ball pretty quickly. But what I saw in the film, and what I think is probably the thing he's going to have to work on to make that big, you know, theoretical year two jump, is linking the two together. You'd, you'd see his feet work really well on one play, and his upper body not sort of do the things he needed to do in concert with that, or vice versa. Use his hands really, really well, but sort of stop moving his feet. Right. If he can link the two together. He's got all the tools, but he's got to put them together and, and start getting home. Um, now, Irving you know, has some of the same things, but it seems like his game's a little bit more refined. I think he's a little bit closer, if we want to use that terminology. So I was pretty glad to see the Bears sort of retain him, and I think he's, he's going to get more opportunities. But the same thing with him. He's, this is pro football. It's a, it's a meritocracy. You have, to, you have to put up results. And it'll be interesting to watch those two guys. If I had to pick one right now, I'd pick Irving, but I... You know, Fitz has potential to be a very good football player. So it'll be interesting to track those guys, but I don't think either one of them right now is the number three rotational rusher you need. Yeah, and I think that, that we, we talked about that a little bit with the free agency podcast of who is still out there that might be, uh, you know, the, the number one target for the Bears right now. And, you know, we talked about Justin Houston a little bit, but if, if not Justin Houston, there almost certainly needs to be a veteran uh, outside linebacker that you bring in to to be that third guy for Mac and Floyd. So I imagine that there's still a move to be made, and maybe made by the time that you know you guys are listening to this podcast. But um, you know we, we still expect something something to happen there. But you know we definitely need to add talent to this position because uh, if you can develop it in house for you know a lower draft pick, you know that that's you know that's money in the bank. Um, but yeah, we we talked about free agency quite a bit. Uh, on the last episode, uh, don't really need to get into that. So I just I want to get into the draft because I know that you've been grinding a lot of film on these guys and you got a lot of guys to go through. And so um, I want you to be able to take the rest of this episode to, to focus on some of the guys that you think are pretty interesting or at least popular names that we want to talk about to make sure that they are are not a fit for what Chicago wants to do. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Like you said, I've looked at more guys for this position than I have for either of the previous two positions, um, and probably more guys than I'm going to look at for most other positions because it's a need for Chicago. There's a lot of talent out there in the mid-rounds. Um, you know, you're hearing about the Josh Allens and the, um, you know, the top-ranked players, and I'm really not looking at them, the Clellan Farrells and folks like that, because they're going to be off the board long before the Bears pick, um, especially if they stay pat at the end of the third round. Now, they may try Jordan Howard and package some picks together and move up, but they're, they're probably still going to be later in the second round. I, I don't see a huge move coming with multiple picks packaged to try and, say, push into the back end of the first round. Now, pace may, may make me look like an idiot there, but really looking at guys um, sort of from about 60 um, overall uh, down to about 160 or really sort of... 175 range now when you start to get that far down in the draft opinions vary you'll see guys ranked 20 and 30 and sometimes 50 spots different depending on who's talking about it but the chunk of guys i went to look at um and again i put this list together uh well before the combine so some of these guys have moved up a little bit and some of them uh, may have moved down based on those performances but i'm just going to list them off really quickly uh and then we'll talk through some of them in detail but Chase Winovich from Michigan, he's probably going to go a little bit higher. Won't spend a ton of time hawking, talking about him, but because I really think somebody's going to fall in love with him in round two. Um, two guys from Boston College, Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray. A uh, guy from Louisiana Tech that was on a lot of preseason uh, watch lists, Jalen Ferguson. Uh, a guy from Old Dominion named O'Shane Zeminis, uh, who's really interesting. A pair of guys from Oregon, Justin Hollins and Jalen Jelks. Joe Jackson's getting a fair amount of buzz out of Miami. Uh, hometown favorites for some Bears fans might be Northern Illinois' Sutton Smith uh, or Eastern Michigan's Max Crosby. And then a guy just came on the radar yesterday, which is really weird, uh, late in the process. Uh, his 
um, appeal to stay uh, playing football in college was denied by the NCAA, so he'll be entering the draft. And that is ECU's, uh, Eastern Carolina University's Nate Harvey. So I did a little sort of late night film cram on him, and we'll talk about him a little bit as well. But like you said, there's a variety of body types in here. There's a variety of skills. Um, and you're talking about mid-round rushers. There's a reason they're mid-round rushers. Um, it's a premium position. These guys tend to get pushed up, you know, in value, kind of like quarterbacks do. But if you're really talking about a guy in the mid-rounds, there's a reason there's some holes in his game. So keep that in mind. Um, none of these guys are perfect, but they all have some skills. Guys I'm really going to concentrate on. Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. I was impressed with his tape. O'Shane Zeminis from Old Dominion um, definitely opened my eyes. Justin Hollins from Oregon. Uh, reminds me very much of a current bear, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then uh, Jalen Jelks, his teammate at Oregon, uh, I just watched this morning, as a matter of fact. I was expecting a little bit less because I liked what I saw out of Hollins, but Jelks is also very good. It was surprising to me because Oregon's pass rush wasn't um, really supreme, and they play in the Pac-12, which isn't a... I hate to say it, but it's not the top power conference anymore. So I uh, hadn't heard a lot about Oregon's defense Um in the front end, and both of these guys have skills that the Bears could be interested in. But um, anymore, you said Pac-12 wasn't uh, the power conference anymore. As a Oregon State grad, I would say that they never really were well, the best conference. State, but, you know, I, I really good at baseball. Yeah, I hang out uh, in Husky country, and Huskies have gone up and down. Um, you know. Uh, Peterson's running a really good program there right now, and you know they're they're producing some players, but in terms of overall team strength, the Pac-12 is. I was talking about this with a friend at work who's a big um, Cougars fan or Washington State fan, and you know you got some guys that Mike Leach is putting out from the Cougars. They've got draftable guys this year. A lot of Bears fans are interested in their running back. Um, their quarterback's probably going to get drafted this year, uh, but it's really sort of some guys from Washington State bunch of the Huskies. Huskies have had a bunch of drafted players, certainly, especially from the secondary in recent years. Um, and, you know, UCLA has fallen off. Chip Kelly's there. Maybe they'll rise again. USC's in a world of hurt. Um, right. Oregon's fallen off since Chip Kelly left. Um, and Oregon State, as you well know, not doing great. Arizona, you hardly hear from anymore. Arizona, Arizona State, either one. Um, again, they'll put out a player or two, but in terms of like a threat in the conference, the number three threat in the conference is probably Utah. Um, mm. And Utah's putting together a pretty good program. They've had some drafted players for sure. Um, and they play a heck of a rough defense. They're, you know, they're definitely a threat when you play them, but it's like there's two and a half teams in the Pac-12 that people fear. So it's it's not the conference it used to be with, you know, a UCLA powerhouse, a USC powerhouse, um, you know, very good Huskies teams at, at times, and the Ducks were sort of raging, you know, six, eight years ago. That's that's all changed. So, you know, there's good players there, but it's, it's definitely not the high-profile conference anymore. Yeah, definitely. Didn't want to take you off track too much, but that's just... Yeah. That's okay. It's a discussion I had the other day, which I thought was pretty interesting. You really think about it, you're like, okay, what's the third team for power in the Pac-12? And uh, get a lot of different answers. Definitely no consensus there. So let's talk about the guys. Um, I'll talk about Chase Winovich first. I don't think the Bears are going to get a shot at him. He plays very hard. Um, Rashawn Gary on the other side of Michigan's defense is, is certainly more athletic and has more potential. I think Winovich is a better player right now. I think Gary has more potential, and that's a sort of classic draft conundrum. Do you do you grab the guy that plays hard but is a little bit stiff? Um doesn't have a ton of bend we talked about bend bend is really the ability to dip the shoulder and get around the edge comes down to a lot of things but in a lot of cases it comes down to ankle flexion which seems like a very strange thing to talk about but guys that can really lower that body angle down to you know 45 degrees sometimes 30 degrees you see the guys really rounding the corner means they can get underneath those tall offensive tackles and really get to the quarterback in a minimum of steps or what they call compress the arc Uh, talking about that outside rush arc and taking a few less steps getting to the quarterback means they get there a half second faster so bend is is a is a very coveted quality um not everybody has it winovich doesn't have a ton of it he's a very stout guy he's really really strong he hustles like crazy and he plays really hard and he's pretty effective um but his first move is definitely power he's not a huge um plan guy as far as rush goes um doesn't have a ton of counter moves but he plays you know violently um and with some skill for sure he's not a a skill less player but definitely one of those hustle hustle power guys 
and I think somebody's going to fall in love with him uh, before the Bears get to him. Uh, you know, does he does he resemble anybody on the Bears? Eh, not not really. I don't think they have that guy. Um, so moving on, I'll talk about the Boston College guys. The first guy I watched in this group overall, which is always a little bit interesting when you move into a new position group, you don't really have anything to compare it to in the same season, was Wyatt Ray, and I'd heard some good things about Wyatt, and um, I was underwhelmed by his tape. I watched two tapes, and he just didn't really ever flash. Very solid player, solid against the run, didn't have any flash plays against the pass in two tapes, and to me that says "Mm, they're not coming because, again, they play in the ACC, um, not, again, super strong conference, and if you're not getting flashes against those guys when you move up to the big leagues, um, you're probably not getting flashes. So it's a guy that I think will bring depth, but Nothing really there. It was very hard not to watch Zach, Zach Allen on the other side of Boston College's line. And I put out a question on Twitter. What's your preferred max weight for an edge player? And I'll ask you, what do you think, that, knowing that these guys need to drop into coverage occasionally, what's the, what's the sort of preferred max weight of an edge player for you? I don't know, 260? Yeah. See, I put 260, 270, 280, and 290 just to get a range on there. And the leading answer was 270 followed fairly closely by 260. And I think that's, you know, again, that's a shift to the more mobile game in the NFL and the, the fact that you're not just going forward. you got to do a variety of things. Um, Zach Allen is a big dude. He's, he's really tall. Um, he's pushing up there towards that 280, 285 range. But I He's actually more athletic and way more effective than his partner across on the other end of the line, Wyatt Ray. Mm. Um, he He's not a super bend guy because he's just so dang big, but he's very mobile. He definitely gets around the edge more, um, but it's very odd to think about a, a sort of true edge player at that size that's really sort of moving more into the realm of, you know, five tech size. And... Um, it's odd because he's got skills as an edge, but he kind of looks like a five tech. So he's, he's a bit of a tweener there and you know, he may fall, but again, I think he's a skilled player that'll get picked up probably before the bears pick. So we'll talk about either of those guys a ton. Um, Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana tech is pretty much a true edge player kind of played in a four, three down alignment there. But again, the difference between four, three down and, and three, four up is really having your hand on the ground or not. I don't think it really changes things all that much, but he shows really good power, the ability to disengage, um, in his upper body. So that's the ability to slap into an offensive lineman, keep control with your arms extended, break off and make the tackle. Um, he does that lines up on both the left and right edges, destroys running backs in blitz pickup, which is always fun to see. Uh, <laughs> first game I watched was against LSU so top quality athletes um, they're playing definitely some of their second string against uh, Louisiana Tech but he was toying with the blocking tight end from Louisiana Tech or Louisiana State from LSU he was disengaging at will he was just tossing it away I wrote he has easy power and uh, good penetration maintains his vision on blocks which is really important for edge rushers that they don't get lost and have somebody run by him he even shows good power against tackles, and again, these are tackles that are playing at LSU, so these are these are big boys, um, and shows very good power against the right and left tackle in that game. Able to disengage and does have some bend. Now, does he have superlative bend? No, but he definitely has bend. He can get around the outside, good awareness of where the play is going. He loafs a little bit. Um, people are saying, well, that sounds great. Why is he in the mid-rounds? He'll loaf a little bit on the backside of a play. Um, he tends to go outside pretty routinely. He needs a good, strong inside counter move, which is the kind of thing you can develop with coaching. Um, he's got very good hands, but he needs to vary it up a little bit. He sort of defaults to the outside, and that makes it so the tackle can kind of preset uh, and pick him up. He does have a counter. He needs to use it more often and, and develop sort of a third, third move as well. Um, but he got a lot of good quality rush against LSU. Um, and he's a very good goal line player. Uh, he was he was subbing under people and, and flashing around for backside tackles. So a lot on the tape versus LSU. And then I play, watched him versus Florida Atlantic, much smaller school. Uh, the first five runs against Florida Atlantic went away from Jalen Ferguson. He got no business in the first quarter um, because they knew they were doubling him uh, pretty early on. And... Uh, 
again, he started with that straight outside rush. He just needs to change it up. He needs a little bit more variety, but man, he's got a ton of power, and when he goes after a guy one-on-one, whether it's a chipping back, a tight end, or even, you know, bull rush as a tackle, he's got the ability to move him. So there's there's building blocks there, and with good coaching, I think we can see Jalen Ferguson uh, improve as a pro. So it's kind of that uh, mold of uh, block of clay guy that you're going to get in the third or fourth round. Let him loose with your defensive line coach and see if you can, you know, develop some counter moves and, and get the most out of him. Well, and I think if we're talking about what we need out of a edge player in 2019, if we sign that third veteran to take that role, you don't really need much, uh, you know, in terms of actual snaps this year. So, you know, a guy like that's a mold, especially in those middle rounds, like you're saying, makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the guy that I'm, I'm curious and I'm just keep, I keep waiting uh, is this O'Shane. Uh, uh, he's next. The, okay, because like next. he's got the perfect nickname in his initials, Ox. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about Ox. Tell me a little more. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to think about Ox. Um, Old Dominion, uh, obviously the, the Bears scouts have some familiarity with Old Dominion. They've they've been scouting that school for pretty pretty hard for four or five years. Um, and I hadn't, I, he didn't remind, it didn't come to mind when I heard his name, and he obviously has a very unique name. Um, so I, when I dug into his tape, it was, it was very much a blank slate. Uh, first game I watched him was versus Marshall. Uh, now this guy's a stand-up edge rusher, um, does switch edges left or right. He's a little raw. He's a little undisciplined on first contact, but, uh, <laughs> 46 seconds into the Marshall, uh, game, he made one of the most unbelievable plays I've seen this year in college football. And I've seen a lot of college football plays. Now he rushes off the right edge. He gets a hand up while on the block and deflects the ball, disengages from the block and makes the pick himself. And nice. runs it like 15 yards downfield. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> so ended up, uh, you know, replaying the play. And sure enough, he's got the guy locked out. He's got a hand free. He times it, jumps, slaps the ball up, tosses the guy to the side, makes the pick, and rumbles for about 10 yards before they catch him. I was like, okay. You know, obvious, obvious athleticism very, very early in the tape. He's got a decent counter rush move, but it's loose. Um, a lot of what he does is loose. And when I say loose, I mean loose in terms of technique. Um, this guy is a guy that's got really good power for his size, um, but he needs to tighten things up. He needs to tighten his hands up a little bit. He needs to tighten his steps up a little bit. He's got the technique, but he, he just looks like a guy that's still learning um, in terms of rawness. Now, he can get a guy moving with power, which is surprising given his size, um, but he showed it over and over again. Now, these are the Marshall tackles. You know, they're not the LSU tackles, but he can show a really good push-pull move, which is great. Um, that's where you get, get a hold of the blocker, kind of lock him out, push him, and then pull him past you. Um, basically use his momentum to shove you into the backfield. It's a little bit like a slingshot. He's got a very nice one of those. He's got nice discipline on the RPO, uh, which is really a skill you're going to have to have, even in the pros. RPOs are everywhere, and you need to know, you know, which guy you're playing and where not to go to overcommit, um, to leave a hole. He's good at that. He's got good quick hands um again he doesn't always hit his target uh so some refinement there but when he does um he's got a good sweep and inside counter he's got a good combination of things in terms of power he doesn't have a ton of bend um so he really needs to be conscious about his steps he needs to shorten his steps around the outside to get home that half second earlier um shows great hustle um Really good play versus the run, the ability to stack and shed. Um, do you think everybody knows what stack and shed means? I think they probably do, but basically that's the ability to lock into an offensive lineman and then get him out of the way and make a tackle. He's good at that. Really quality two-way defender. I was impressed by his tape. Doesn't drop into coverage. This is a guy that's pretty much going forward. Um, sets the edge very solidly, um, but he's not a guy you're going to drop into pass coverage. So if you're really, it's it's like which side is he going to is he going to come in and sub for Mac and sort of go forward and rush and and set the edge struggle like Mac does, or you know, if you're looking for a guy to replace Floyd that does pass coverage, might not be him. Um, but he's got a lot of skills. He's got a lot of power. And again, everything needs to get a little bit tighter. If if coaching can do that, if he's a coachable guy and he takes to the system, we could see this guy have production in the pros pretty quickly because he's got all the tools are just not all quite honed in, but you see all the flashes. Nice. Well, and again, great nickname already ready to go. So 
Then it is Ziminis. I had to hear that. So it's Z-I-M-I-N-E-S, and it's pronounced Ziminis. Oh, I thought it was an X. X-I. Or, sorry, it is. It is. Okay. I just said Z because I'm looking at the way I wrote it out phonetically, so I wouldn't screw Yeah, it yeah, out. yeah. Well, you know, the X, X he has to, you know, that's how you say X's in a lot of, yeah. a lot of names. So There you go. Um, going into some other guys. So that was a minute. He was a really pleasant surprise, and it's always, that's part of the fun of doing this is going in and saying, well, I don't know anything about this guy. You know, show me, uh, show me what we're looking at and, and being popped pretty early in the tape and saying, okay, time to pay attention. This guy's got a lot of skills. Um, that takes us to Justin Hollins from Oregon and Justin Hollins. I'm going to tell you right off the top. I, I sort of presage this a little bit on Twitter, uh, a little bit of a spoiler, but Justin Hollins is, is, is Leonard Floyd. Um, he he looks like Leonard Floyd. He moves like Leonard Floyd. He's incredibly athletic. He's really long. Uh, he's rangy. Um, yeah, it's the more I watched his tape, the more I thought, wow, this this guy looks a lot like Leonard Floyd at Georgia. So game I watched first was versus Stanford. Stands up off the right edge. True three four edge. He's so quick that on the second play he got flat out hugged. Should have been a holding call. Very fluid laterally. Um, a minute 28 into the tape, I look and they've got him lined up straight over the slot. Slot oh, receiver, not geez. a tight end. Straight up, one-on-one with the slot receiver. And it wasn't it wasn't a feint. It wasn't, you know, window dressing. He flat out covered the slot receiver straight up, one-on-one. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, I was like, ooh, that's different. Um <laughs> And uh, later on in the game, uh, most most fans will be familiar with Bryce Bryce Love, the sort of superstar tailback at Stanford. Um, they put uh, Justin Hollins on him on wheel routes, straight up, no help, hmm. and he was step for step with him. So this is the guy that if you think you're going to let Floyd go after, you know, after if you're not going to pick up the fifth year option, or you are going to pick up the fifth year option, and you want to groom a guy for a year or two, um, Justin Hollins in the mid round would be a guy with with the potential to play that same role. Now that's assuming Pagano goes forward with the same sort of concepts that Vic Fangio used. We can't say that for sure, but it's very interesting to look at Justin Holland's skill set. Now, on top of that fluidity and ability to cover the pass, um, he is able to stop the run. Um, Floyd was able to stop the run at Georgia. A lot of people said he couldn't. He could. Very good first step. He's got some twitch. He's going to have to fill out. He's not terribly stout. Um, but still, he plays with pretty good technique. When he doesn't, um, when he opens his chest sometimes, he's going to get forklifted by certain offensive tackles. Now, what do you think forklifted means? Well, just up and off the ground. That's right. Guy's going to put his arms right up under his chest and ribcage and just you know, basically pick him up and move him. And he does that occasionally. He'll, he'll get a little bit high off the snap. He'll try like an arm over. He'll expose his ribcage to the guy. And, and versus Stanford, their linemen are very well coached. We've seen a lot of them go to the pros, and they just would basically take his ribcage and go, see ya. Um, so he's going to have to get away from that. He's either going to have to spin out of that or keep his, keep his top end a little bit lower. But again, these are coaching things, and you can't coach the physical things he has the length the change of direction the pure speed from a guy his size is is really stunning so again not super polished and has things in his game that he needs to make better but as a sort of situational jack of all trades rusher cover guy that you you never know where he's going to come from or what he's going to do justin Hollins would be a very interesting piece well and very interesting to maybe groom that behind floyd I, I find that to be pretty interesting, and and, and if and not necessarily that, that means that they're showing their hand of what they're going to do with Floyd if they end up drafting this guy, but that is something that you'll see. You know, same skill set of a guy that maybe is uh, reaching the end of his contract and on his way out. Yeah, that's that's something to definitely keep in mind if the Bears do go that direction. Uh, is there another Oregon guy that you were going to cover too? There is Jalen Jelks, uh, his teammate on the other side, a little bit taller, a little bit heavier, um, but just as athletic. Um, I watched a couple games out of him this morning and was surprised, again, because I hadn't heard a ton about the Oregon pass rush. I was familiar with both these guys, but they weren't guys that kind of um, lit it up, for lack of a better term. And... Um, to see Jelks come out and and do many of the same things that Hollins did, he's a little bit better uh, at the point of attack. 
Um, I watched him again in that same game versus Stanford and then against Michigan State, a good Big Ten program with some very stout linemen. Um, his ability to, to stack the point of the run, um, he doesn't generate easy power. He's got to use technique to do it, but he does. Um, it's a little bit confusing from the coaching staff. They moved him inside quite a bit into a sort of a true you know, three-tech role, and that's not his best life. <laughs> Let's just say that he's not living his best life going up against guards and centers. Now, occasionally he does does get really good penetration from there but it's not typical um and even when he does a lot of times he'll get initial penetration and then kind of get swamped out because he's just he doesn't have the girth um to keep going in that role but out on the edge um he's very effective he's a bit more of a forward mover um than hollands is he's not going to cover a slot guy one-on-one that's for sure now he can cover absolutely tight ends um and some of the backs out of the flat in in short range for sure he's athletic enough to do that um but he is uh he gets after it he got in a war with the michigan state offensive line like they started chipping back and forth and they were out for blood and he was he was having none of it it was pretty interesting to see them really go back and forth in a in a run heavy game um and he can he can hold up on the outside um, but he's got very good size. He's taller than Hollins by an inch. He's heavier than Hollins by 20, 25 pounds. Um, again, a very interesting guy that's got a big rangy frame, plays fast, and does pretty good uh, setting the edge, compressing running lanes, um, and you know, getting his hands up. And he, he gets a couple sacks, but I think he's going to be like Floyd. He's not going to be a guy that racks up a ton of sacks, but he's going to be a very valuable piece in your defense. Nice. Well, so you gave us a number of guys and watched a ton of film. Um, who's your favorite guy? Like if you, if you got a, and, and realistic and realistically, you know, if, if there's guys that are popping up, like looks like probably gonna be second rounders. Okay. We're not going to talk about that, but like, who's the guy you think realistically the bears could draft that you, you would be the most happy with. Yeah, that's a tough one. And it really does come down to side. Um, if, if you want the guy that's going forward, Probably Jalen Ferguson, but it, it, Zeminis makes that really tight. It's either Ferguson or Zeminis in that forward going, you know, I'm going to, I'm not dropping into the pass lanes a lot. Um, that true rusher. If you're looking for sacks, it's Ferguson or Zeminis. If you're looking for something to, somebody to do a little bit of everything, it really is Justin Hollins. He's, he's just so versatile that it's fascinating to think what you could do with that guy. If you've got a guy that's, you know, 6'4, 245 and he's covering the slot and doing it well um that's that's a lot of potential so i'll mention a couple of the guys just because uh we're not going to talk about them a ton um sutton smith is a guy that a lot of people are hot on from northern illinois sutton smith is not an edge in the pros he's just not big enough he plays incredibly hard he plays with great motor and he's very athletic he's not big enough um and when he gets engaged um he's pretty much done so if he can stay away from guys, that's great. But, you know, you get to the NFL and everybody's got these massive wingspans. Sutton Smith is going to be, I think, an effective football player in the NFL, but it's going to be a little bit like Joe Schobert where he's going to have to move to that inside off-ball linebacker. And I think he can be really effective there, but he's not an edge. Um, Max Crosby, on the other hand, is a big, long, rangy guy from uh, eastern Michigan. And he's pretty raw, but, man, does he play hard and he's – I don't want to say sneaky athletic, but he's he's just really athletic. He plays pretty quickly in a straight line. His change of direction is not amazing. Um, and he definitely needs to fill out. He looks more like a basketball player than a football player. But a lot of a lot of Bears fans have reached out to me and said, what do you think about Max Crosby? I love Max Crosby. He's very fun to watch play, but he's got some big holes if you watch not just the highlights and the whole tape. And then this guy that just popped up from East Carolina, um, Nate Harvey. Again, he's kind of a one-trick pony. He's got a... He's got a depth move to get upfield and then a quick counter to get back to the inside and when he hits it um he's very effective a little bit on the smaller side not so much of a power guy so he's got to stay he's got to keep those tackles moving but he's quick enough and definitely um peaks some interest he's definitely going to get drafted probably in the middle rounds haven't watched quite enough of his tape to really stack him against these other guys but he is he's not to be taken lightly he's a guy that could come on um reminds me a little bit of D Ford. Um, and that sounds crazy because D Ford just signed a huge contract, but, um, 
you know, D Ford was definitely kind of that situational rusher, not the edge stacker when he came out of college. And Nate Harvey looks like a, a poor man's version of D Ford. So a lot of different guys, a lot of different talent out there. And it really just depends on what you're looking for. Great. Well, um, you did most of the talking on this episode. Did you get a chance to drink that beer? That's funny. I'm going to do that right now. Okay. Because I want a full report because that's no, a it's great a name. Very, yeah, it's a very good beer. It's perfect perfect for the Edge moniker, but it actually happens to be a very good beer. A lot of times Imperial Stouts, um, I think they try and do too much, quite frankly. Um, you know, they'll put spice in them or there's just, you know, you, you were talking about your oatmeal bowl full of you know, whiskey and beer, and it just sounds like a lot going on. This is very straightforward. It's not terribly bitter. has a little bit of sort of malty, sugary sweetness at the end. It's definitely a very dark beer. Like I said, plenty of alcohol in it. Um, but smooth drinking for something that's up near 10%, um, and a, a good straight good straight stout with a little bit of sweetness on the end that makes it just really enjoyable. I like it a lot. Well, and I'll say, you know, again, I've had this beer plenty of times, so I know it well. Um, I actually have seen this beer uh, in a in a brewery out in upstate New York, and they were selling it for $25 a bottle. I would not recommend buying it for that. Um, and I had it on tap in a uh, random brew pub in uh, Vermont. Uh, you know, just just kind of crazy to, to find stuff where you, where you find stuff. But um, it's great on tap. But like Khalil Mack – this beer is worth every penny. <laughs> I am glad you get to enjoy it, and it sounds like you're going to go hunting for the new version, which is what the Bears are going to do in the Edge class this year, is go looking for the new version of what they can get. And there's a lot out there, so it'll be interesting to see who they end up with. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, that's it for another episode of Bears Over Beers. Uh, we are going to pivot to the running back class next. Oh, Yes. Cannot wait. So many good options. So much talk with all the free agency start. Mike Davis is probably not going to be that lead guy. Most Bears fans that I interact with are quite sure uh, that the Bears are going to draft it back, possibly even move up to do it. I'm not so sure about that. But I'm pretty darn sure they're going to draft a running back. And I love running back tape if you don't know me and you don't follow me on Twitter. It's one of my favorite things in life. Uh, besides beer is running back tape. And I'm going to dive in, watch lots of guys. We're going to have a ton of fun with that. But in the meantime, follow Jeff on Twitter. He's at GridironBorn. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at the Draftsman FB. And, of course, follow the podcast. It's at Bears Over Beers, strangely enough. Uh, and until then, um, keep talking to us on Twitter. Keep uh, interacting with us, with us on Windy City Gridiron. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and all the local podcast outlets. And until next time, bear down, folks. Thanks, everybody.